Well, today's message is aimed at husbands. It has relevance to, uh, to everybody, no matter who you are. Lights, may lights come on, please. I can't see my notes very well. Let there be light. I wish I had that power. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as I was saying, today's message is aimed at husbands. It has relevance no matter who you are today. And the reason for that is that if you are a, a uh, Christian, we are really talking about the relationship between Jesus and the church. And if you're a Christian, that is a wonderful reality to think about. Now, if you're single, uh, this is helpful because if you are a single woman and you want to be married, this will help you know, who should I be looking for? And if you are a, a single man here desiring to be married, this will help you understand what kind of man should I be? Like, what, what am I to be doing? If you're a wife, a gospelized husband is your prayer and is actually your opportunity to nurture in your husband. Now, if your husband isn't a Christian, the last message of this whole series in January is, what do I do when there's not much gospel at home? Okay, we're talking about the gospelized family and many families are blessed to have a lot of gospel at home, but there are many people in situations where there's almost no gospel at home. Like, what do I do then? That's the last message. So you stay tuned uh, for that. If you are a husband, buckle up, okay? This one is squarely on you, I should say on us. I'm preaching to myself here today. Now, wives, I do want to say that uh, we are going to ask all the husbands to give a report after the service. If any of them have any fractured ribs from elbows during this service, uh, it's church discipline for you, okay? So you just uh, refrain from any, I don't know, judgmental elbowing during the sermon. Uh, we will have a full report following the service of any of that that might uh, go on. Now, this is our, uh, what here is our third message in our family month. Again, we're talking about the gospelized family. How does the vertical gospel of God saving sinners, God reconciling sinners to himself, this vertical gospel that in Romans we've, we've spent all this time studying, Romans 1 through 11, what difference does that make in the horizontal relationships in the home? Or what difference should that make in the horizontal relationships in the home? And these include husband and wife, parents and children, siblings and siblings. If you're, I see young people here, if you're a young person, you're like, oh, this message doesn't have any relevance to me. Oh, yes, it does, okay? Brothers and sisters. Now you say, well, I thought this was drawing from Romans. I read Romans, and I don't see any specific verses regarding husbands, and in a sense, you would be right. So where do you get this whole gospelized husband thing from? I get it from Romans 12, verse 1. Here we have 11 chapters of the deepest dive in, in uh, all the Bible regarding how God makes sinners righteous vertically. And then you get to Romans 12, verse 1, and there's this massive hinge where now he takes the gospel that has been vertical for 11 chapters and uh, now it's the horizontal. What does he say? He says, therefore I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Alt, uh, bodies on the altar, this is that Old Testament image from the tabernacle or the temple where they would take 
uh, an animal, a goat, a bull, and they would make an offering to God. And they would lay that animal on the altar and they would burn it as a sacrifice and an offering to God as an act of worship to God. And what did all those animals have in common? They were all dead. Every single hundreds of thousands of these animals, maybe millions over time, they were all dead. But in the new covenant, it's not dead animals on the altar. It is living beings. It is us offering all that we are. And that's the emblem that Paul draws on here. No matter what goat or bull was on that offering, it was all of them. It was emblematic of the entirety of that animal being offered to God. Now we are living sacrifices. We get on that altar and we offer all that we are to God. And that includes my mind, it includes my, my, my life, and it includes my home. And the roles that God has called me to in the home. And today we're talking about what does it look like for a husband who gets the gospel and understands how God's sovereign grace and love has been bestowed upon us, this amazing grace, what does that look like when now I gospelize my relationship with my wife and I gospelize my relationship with my kids, if I have kids? What difference does that make when this is an act of worship to God? How does a gospelized husband function in, in the home. Now, I'm going to start with this point. For 11 chapters, Paul describes how sinners are made righteous by faith, through grace, uh, or by grace, through faith, I, I guess it goes both ways, in Jesus Christ. And I start here because for a, a husband to gospelize his marriage means that he is a Christian in the first place. In order to be a gospelized husband, you have to be a justified sinner. And I don't want to just assume everybody here listening uh, is actually saved. And might it explain some of the challenges in your home if maybe there is an unconverted, unregenerate husband at the helm of the home. Have you been saved? Have you humbled yourself under God's mighty hand? Have you received his free gift of salvation? This is the mercies of God in Romans 12, verse 1. So it, it's gospel first, husband second. And what that means then for the gospelized husband is that the gospel is at the core of his identity. To be a gospel man and a gospel husband means that I am not merely adding Jesus to my long list of identities and ways that I see myself, the priorities of my life. No, I am, to be a Christian is to enthrone Jesus in my heart as sovereign king and Lord. And from that perspective, now all the other priorities and identities fall, find their proper place under that. And I, I say this because if you switch this around, where I am going to, I'm, I'm, my gospel and my Christianity is something that I add in order to have a good marriage, there are men that have tried this down through the centuries. I mean, how many men are there that, uh, you know, they, they come to church because my wife wants me to be at church. You know, she dragged me to church again this week. And why did I do it? I did it so she wouldn't nag me about it all the time. Here I am now, the gospelized husband, because I went along with it. How many men have tried, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead spiritually 
if it'll keep her from just, you know, nagging at me to, I'll go along with it. How long does that last? Typically not very long. And single ladies here, beware of a similar pattern in boyfriends because they know your faith is important to you. And so then I'm going to go along with it. And I think right away, here we are at one of the real challenges that husbands have in the church today is when they add the gospel to their identity rather than having the gospel as their core identity. And I just want to say, when you look in the mirror, if you're a husband here, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Because men, men see all kinds of things. Men see their career and their identity within their vocation. Men see the, the, the hobby that's super important to them and that maybe they're, they've become very good at. Men see all kinds of identities when they look in the mirror. But a gospelized husband looks in the mirror and sees, first of all, a sinner saved by grace. A man who is under the amazing love of God. My core identity is who I am in Christ. Not even as a husband. I don't look in the mirror and see, first of all, a man married to Joan. I see a man saved by grace. So who do you see yourself to be, brother? And maybe this is a key point for you. The elevation of your identity in Christ over any of these other identities that compete. As one theologian said, the good news is not just a series of facts in which we yield our assent, but a dramatic narrative that replots our identity. That's, that's true if you're a woman or whoever, whatever Christian. It replots our identity. And this is a radical change. Again, this is where you don't just add Jesus to the list of priorities. This is a radical reorientation of your life around the enthronement and the reign of Jesus over your life. And to give you an idea of, of even Jesus himself teaching this radicalness as it relates to relationships in the home, listen to Luke 14, verse 26. Okay, this is Jesus. We talk about Jesus, you know, the, 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 the teacher of love and truth, and oh, Jesus, he's so, he's so kind. Listen to what he said. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, what a wonderful verse for family month at Bethel Church. What did Pastor Steve tell you today regarding the, the gospelized husband? He said, I have to hate my wife. Be warmed and filled. There you go, right? No, that, what? Hate my wife? Hate my kids? Did Jesus actually say that? Well, he did. But what is he saying here? Again, this is the radical reorientation that Jesus is getting at here. He says, you can't be my disciple unless the normal priority list that any pagan has, which is love my family, love my kids, you know, uh, love my country, whatever kind of loves you want to put out there. If I am not so loved in comparison to these other priorities, then you can't be my disciple. If your love for me is not such that it reorientates the normal loves of the natural man, and pushes those things down so far that in comparison, it's almost like you hate them because you love, you love me so much. You can't be my disciple. 
Now that sounds like something that might mess up a marriage. But in reality, it doesn't make us love our wives less. It makes us love them better. Because it gospelizes the whole culture of my marriage with Jesus enthroned as king over it. Now, dear sisters, I want you to listen to me here because this is an important truth, especially if we have any future wives here. And I, you know, we're already talking with our, our daughters. You know, they, they love to pretend that they're married to each other even. And, uh, you know, they play act all these different roles. So we, we talk with them about maybe being married. If that's, that's not God's will for everybody, but if it is, um, we talk about it. And if you're here today and you're single, you're a single woman and you want to be married, or maybe you're a young woman and you're like, oh, maybe I'll get married someday, listen to me here. Can I ask, what are you looking for in a husband? And parents, what are you cultivating your daughters to look for in a husband? You say, well, I, I hope he's tall, dark, and handsome. Right? I hope he drives a truck. What are you attracted to in a boy? Because our attractions will say a lot about our spiritual maturity. What are the things that you feel drawn to, a boy, young man, regarding? And what I am urging you today is find yourself a gospelized boy. Find yourself a gospelized young man. You say, well, I don't know how, if he is or not. I don't, how do I know if my boyfriend is gospelized? You already know, actually, because how is he acting in that relationship currently? Okay? Is he gospelizing your, your dating relationship? Because a gospelized husband, to give you one example, a gospelized husband reads Ephesians 5, which is the text that was read earlier here, and sees that I have a responsibility to protect the purity of my wife, her, her spiritual purity, her sexual purity. Is your boyfriend acting that way? Because if he is not a gospelized boyfriend, I'm here to tell you he ain't likely going to be a gospelized husband. It pains me to see too often daughters of our church choosing to love men who don't treasure the gospel and don't treasure Jesus. Amen. Because he looks a certain way, he acts a certain way, he does blah, 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 blah. Does he love Christ? Because the goal in marriage is to gospelize the marriage. And you might love Jesus, but if he don't, that gets hard. And there's a whole message about that at the end of the month. Find the most gospely man that you can. Now, if you're single, a single man here and you're like, you know, I just don't know if I can attract a single woman to want to marry me. Okay, this is not a means to getting a girlfriend, okay? But I'm just here to tell you that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, a woman who loves the Lord Jesus Christ is going to find that very attractive and be drawn to it. And even girls out of your league. Come on. Reach it, brother. Which looking around explains about half the marriages that I see in this room. Why? Because they see that you love the Lord. And a godly Christian woman is looking for that more than anything else. 
So it doesn't matter how short, tall, wide, skinny, rich, poor he is. It doesn't matter. Is he gospelized? And I would say to the young men here, if you can't gospelize a dating relationship, you have no hope of gospelizing a marriage. Because a dating relationship in these categories is like kindergarten. When you get, when you get married, all of a sudden you're like on PhD level. That's why many couples have some of their worst fights on their honeymoon. Don't, don't amen right now. Because all of a sudden you are ushered, you go from kindergarten to PhD level relational challenges. So better to stay single. I know one crazy guy who did until he was 44 years old. That was me, if you didn't know. So, so a gospelized husband, number one, has the gospel as his core identity. He looks in the mirror and he sees a sinner saved by grace. So identity is important, but what does a gospelized husband do exactly? Like, I, I agree with this in concept, Pastor Steve. I see it in the Bible. What, do I, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't know. And what I want to urge you husbands, us husbands, to do is to realize that being a gospelized husband is a reenactment on a practical daily level of the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a reenactment of the relationship between Jesus and the church. Now, are you familiar with reenactments? We have some people in our church who are very much into reenactments and I have one friend in the church that, I mean, he does Civil War, he does all kinds of stuff. If, if you see some guy, you know, living in a tent uh, uh, by some school, it's probably him. He does that kind of thing to help teach the kids about Civil War. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so there, for years, Buckley Homestead, right over here, did a World War II reenactment. Maybe some of you went to, to see it. I, I didn't know about it. But he said, hey, would you, I think I could get you in. Would you like to be a part of this? And as many of you know, I love World War II history and study that a lot. And so I actually kind of geeked out on it. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And so he signed me up. And uh, we have a picture. Here is, this was me. The, it looks a little dark there. Uh, but you would not want to run into him in a dark alley, let me tell you. That was one tough soldier there. And then, and then I'm the one next to him. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so this reenactment at, at, uh, at Buckley Homestead, I was actually surprised. I had never really been to one of these. I was surprised at how serious they took it. I mean, you had to have uh, some kind of official thing and paperwork, and, and the guys that are a part of these things are really into it. Like, you, you had to wear clothing, you know, your watches, they weren't sure if they were going to let me in because my glasses were not, period, they weren't consistent with the kind of glasses people would wear at that time, and I got in somehow, but, uh, I mean, there's guys there for these things that will, they sleep in the same kind of tents that the guys would have sleep in overnight, they eat only food that soldiers would have been eating at that time. I went to McDonald's, I think, afterwards, I was okay with that, but, I mean, they take this very, very Seriously, it is, a, it is a reenactment. And what is a reenactment? It's when you look, act, and model yourself after the actions of somebody else. It's a reenactment. Now, I want you to bear that thought in mind as I read to you what Paul, here's Paul's words 
to husbands, think in terms of reenactment. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present to him, the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Here, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So like a World War II reenactor will follow the pattern of what soldiers in World War II did, a gospelized husband realizes that I am reenacting in my marriage, I am reenacting the relationship between Jesus and the church. That I am modeling myself after the actions of somebody else. And my calling is to display that gospel and that reenactment in the day-to-day of my life with my wife. Specifically, the way that Christ loves and leads the church. Now, how does this passage say that Christ does that? Verse 25, Christ loved the church. Verse 25, Christ gave himself for the church. Verse 26, Christ cleanses the church. Verse 27, Christ presents the church in splendor. Verse 29, Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. And so I draw from that that a gospelized husband is a Christian man married to a woman whose primary goal in the relationship is to reenact Christ's covenantal love for the church. Christ in the church is not an illustration of marriage. Marriage is an illustration of Christ in the church. And the more that marriage reenacts the relationship between Christ and the church, the more that marriage will be blessed, will be healthy. Husbands reenacting Jesus and wives reenacting the church in its relationship to Jesus. Now I can hear some of you husbands right now going, I ain't reenacted somebody else. I'm not going to act like anybody else. I'm my own man. Until somebody comes to you and says, hey, you want to play war and carry a gun? Okay, (laughs) right? (laughs) Now I'll do it. For a Christian man whose core identity is the gospel, to have the opportunity to reenact Jesus is actually an exciting thing. And if I, as I talk about this, this like depresses you as a husband, could I ask you, do you actually have Jesus at the core of your identity? Is he, is he the hero of your story? Because to be a husband is to get to play Jesus in the, in the relationship, which for us should be a very exciting thing unless Jesus is at the periphery of our identity. Now, essentially what this means, husbands, is that I bring to my mind in my husbandry, actually consciously bring to my mind that I am to treat, relate, and love this woman after the pattern of how Jesus loved the church. Now, Pastor Steve, are you saying that 
I actually think about the gospel when she's yelling at me? Do I, do I actually think about the gospel when maybe I've done a husband read oopsie-daisy? Is that what I'm supposed to do? That's what I'm saying. You bring the gospel, that narrative, that story to mind and think, okay, how would Jesus act in this moment towards the church? How, 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 would, how would he respond to the conflict that we're having in this moment? And I would say it's especially helpful when marriage is hard. You know, when marriage is easy, you know, you're out for your anniversary, you're all lovey-dovey, you're thinking about your marriage, and, you know, you've, you've forgotten about the 100 moments of conflict. You're just talking, you're thinking about those wonderful children, if you have children, you're having, you know, the, those are moments where I'm not having to go, what would Jesus do? But when we're in conflict with each other once a year, those are the times where gospelizing my response to her is especially helpful. When it's hard. Is this easy? No. Trust me, I'm in the battle with this, with all you guys. My flesh doesn't want to reenact Jesus in moments of conflict. I'm more likely to reenact Satan in moments of conflict. What would Satan do right now? Because that's what inside I want to say. What did Romans tell us? Romans 7. We still have indwelling sin. The good that I would, I do not. The evil which I would not, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. To be a husband is to, we're living out that a lot, right? The flesh rises up and indwelling sin calls me to act selfishly and to not act in her best interest and to be resentful and to want to win. But Romans 6, there's this other power at work in me as a Christian. And that power is conforming me to the likeness of Christ. And gospelizing my husbandry is hugely advantageous as a husband. Because the same qualities that the gospel produces in me when I am gospelizing my side of the relationship are the same qualities that make for a healthy marriage. What, what do you need in a healthy marriage? You need a ton of conflict resolution, don't you? What's it take to get an amen here? Okay, that was a safe one to say amen. I mean, tons of conflict resolution. And guess what the gospel provides? It is a message of reconciliation between a holy God and sinners. I mean, the gospel is a gospel of peace. Romans 5, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there is within the gospel inherent qualities that in the gospelized husband produce health in the marriage when I reenact how Jesus leads and loves the church. Okay, Pastor Steve, get specific. What do you mean by that? Here's a couple things that I mean by that. Number one, we are called to love our wives sacrificially. When we love our wives sacrificially, we are reenacting Jesus on the cross. He was giving of himself. Now, this is not easy for men to do because men are utterly self-centered. Wow, so quiet. I, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm throwing softballs out there for you women especially. Just say amen along the way here. I know you're with me, okay? But we are. So a non-gospelized husband approaches marriage and thinks she's hot. 
She's going to be like arm candy for me the rest of my life. She's going to make me look good. I can't wait for the Christmas cards with her for the next 30 years. Everyone's going to look and say, what a lucky guy he is. That's right. I'm going to win the best looking wife contest. She's going to make me look good. What do men want in marriage? We want you to make us look good. We want you to admire us as much as we admire us. You're coming alongside us to affirm us and our worth and our value. And here's where marriage is a brick wall. Because then, if that's your approach, then you actually get married to a woman. And you discover that self-centeredness does not produce wifely admiration. It doesn't produce amorous wives every night. It does the opposite of that, actually. And it creates massive problems in marriage when we are self-centered. When my identity is me and my marriage is about me and my wife is here to service me. And wives, you marry a man like that, you're going to have a pretty stinky marriage. And why is that? I love this quote. Because marriage amplifies what a person is. Marriage amplifies what a person is. This is to the good and the bad. So if you're a little selfish when you're single, when you get married, you're a lot selfish. If you're a little grumpy when you're single, you get married, you're a lot grumpy. It amplifies who you actually are. Now, on the positive side, if you're kind, marriage provides a thousand opportunities every week to showcase kindness. If you are a joyful person, marriage is going to provide all these opportunities for that joy to be a blessing. Marriage amplifies what a person is. And if that person at the core of their identity is a sinner saved by grace, if that is who they believe themselves to be, marriage amplifies that and puts it on display. And that's the point of really the whole month is that every marriage is a showcase. And if that showcase at the core is the gospel, it is going to put that on display. And by the way, it doesn't mean happy all the time, never arguing, no conflict, because the gospel is not about God saving perfect people. It is about God reconciling to himself sinners. And then you get to marriage and you have sinner marry sinner. And guess what happens? Conflict. And the gospel is on display when that marriage applies forgiveness and grace and comes together in spite of the conflict. Number two, gospelized husbands take their leadership seriously. May God rid our church of lame, non-leading, passive husbands. Can, can the church ever look at Jesus and go, you know you really slept off as a savior. I wish you would have taken this a little more seriously. No, Why? We look at the cross and we see how seriously Jesus took leading the church and loving the church, don't we? Nobody could accuse Jesus of being passive. Rather, he serves the church. I think of the example in the upper room where here he is, he's about to die, and, and there's the 12 disciples, including Judas, who's in the midst of betraying him. And what does Jesus do to say, okay, here's an example of what I'm talking about you guys need to do. 
He takes up the basin and the towel and he washes their feet. And Jesus has been washing the feet of the church for 2,000 years in his ongoing ministry of intercession. And a husband looks at that and goes, okay, this leadership that I'm called to, do I get to dominate her? Do I get to crush her? Because I'm the man and this is my castle. No. We look at the example of Jesus and we see we're called to serve our wives, to, to sacrifice for them, to put their needs ahead of our own. Is the husband the head? Yes, the husband is the head. Ephesians 5 makes that clear. But that headship is a call to serve, and this requires humility, which is not something we men typically admire very much. I have found this to be one of the hardest things about being married, frankly, because I want to be served more than I want to serve. And that makes it hard. Number three, gospelized husbands are really good at forgiving. Are really good at forgiving. This is reenacting justification. If there is anything that the gospel showcases, it is the love of God, the amazing love and grace of God to sinners. And this message is a message of peace and reconciliation. And so you would look at that and you say, wow. Man, Christian marriage, I, I want to marry a gospelized husband because, I mean, it's just peace and calm and tranquility all the time. I marry me, me a gospelized husband, it's going to be great like that. And you know what? I've been married for eight and a half years. I have not found that to be the case. I have not. Marriage is a daily opportunity to be offended and to be offensive, by the way. In fact, those often go together. Offensive on one side, offended on the other side. And these come in big and small ways. And I could list my failures, but looking at the time, we probably should move on. My point is that a gospelized husband whose core identity is the gospel of God's forgiveness is going to be pretty good at forgiving. Now, he's not going to be perfect, and he may not even be awesome, but you should be pretty good. Should be pretty good at forgiving. Again, I've been married just over eight years. Some of you have been married, seems like centuries, I don't know. But, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but after eight and a half years of marriage, I would rank the ability to forgive in the top three qualities to look for in a spouse. Maybe top two. I don't know if I can say number one, but it's close, okay? The ability to forgive and to let go of offenses is hugely helpful for harmony in a marriage. You know, you think about the things that you want when you get married. I want love. You know, I, I want sort of cuddles around the fireplace. I, I want a partnership. I want a sense of companionship. You realize all of those things that we desire in marriage are predicated on resolving conflict. Because when you are in conflict with each other, you're not cuddling around the fire. You're not saying sweet things into each other's ears. No, you are it's coldness when there's conflict. 
So one of the great things about gospelizing our marriages and gospelizing our husbandry, at least to the extent that we can on our side of the relationship, is that it is one of the key things, this gospel aspect, one of the key things that lead to marital blessings. I mean, in marriage, you've got to smoke the peace pipe like every day. And if you refuse to do that, or if she refuses to do that, that's going to be a hard marriage. But getting good at forgiving one another, which is what the gospel is about, is critical. So again, singles here. I don't know what's on your must-have list, like, you know, must-love dogs, must-hate the Packers. I would urge you to have an eye for somebody who seems to be really good at forgiving. That person probably is, is a gospelized man. Now, wives, this goes both ways, but it is the gospelized husband message, okay? So I... When, when you look at that list, do you see how the, the, the qualities that the Holy Spirit is forming in the man whose identity is solidly in the gospel are the same qualities that go along with the kind of husband who is going to lead and love his wife and produce, hopefully, joy and gladness in the home. Okay? The same thing that God's doing in our life, let me just say it a different way, the, Romans 8 again, uh, he is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. That's God's will for all of us. Are we on solid ground there? Okay, and by doing that, guess what happens? I am becoming a better husband. The more that I am like Christ, reenacting Christ, the better husband I am going to be to my wife. Here's how Paul Tripp says it. The gospel welcomes us to be honest because it offers divine aid for everything we would need to be honest about. In other words, right now, if, if we had a microphone right here and we allowed everybody to come up and say, oh, this is my failure and this is my failure and this is my failure, we could be honest about that because the gospel is what provides the answers for the things that we might want to hide and the failures in our marriage and in our home. I'm glad I can say this. I, I mean, I don't know everybody here super well. And this, I know some of you very well, but I don't care who you are as a husband. Here's what I can say. Is... That by the power of the Holy Spirit and the effect of the gospel in your life, you have the resources as a Christian man to become a pretty good husband. A pretty good husband. Perfect husband, no. Awesome, maybe not. Pretty good, yeah. So how about this week, in a fresh way, consciously think, reenact the love of Christ. Reenact the service of Christ. Reenact the leadership, the servant leadership of Christ. Reenact the forgiveness of Christ. God, help me to reenact the gospel in my husbandry. Husband, can you do that? Why don't you try it for a week? It's kind of like Daniel where he said, okay, I'll eat vegetables. I don't want to eat the king's meat, but you check me out after a little time and see if I'm not doing pretty well. Why don't you try this for a week, intentionally reenacting the gospel, and then next Sunday you come up to Jared and tell me whether your marriage tanked because you did that. And I'm going to say right now, your marriage will be in a healthier place a week from now than it is today. 
Now I can hear you saying, but my wife, she ain't like the church is to Jesus. Maybe I'll start modeling Jesus when she starts modeling the church. I say to you this, did Jesus wait for the church to love him? We love him because he first loved us. So here's another way to model Jesus. Love her when she doesn't do her role. Now a word to the wives here. Your husband right now is maybe sitting there wondering what you're thinking. Perhaps thinking about areas she hopes you're listening and ready to apply it to. And I want to say to you uh, that, uh, you know, as much as he might fear you smirking or maybe a sense that perhaps you've won in an area, if he is brave enough to try to do some of these things, can you be brave enough to accept his less than perfect trying? Don't say this, for example, you didn't say it right. Billy Graham would have said it different than the way that you just said it. You took too long to come and say it to me. I sense some self-justification in what you just said to me, your apology right there, okay? Listen, your, your husband is reenacting Jesus without being Jesus. And by the way, you're reenact, reenacting the church without being the fully sanctified church, Missy, okay? So this goes both ways. And that is why a Christian marriage is a husband dumping grace on the wife and the wife dumping grace on the husband do a lot of that as well. We all need a lot of grace. And I think by gospelizing our marriages, we all will be more blessed as a result of it. And Christ would be honored, which is the goal. It's all about him. Okay? It's all about him. So let's just take a moment right now. Uh, I, I like to do this a little meditation time. Because it's easy to finish the message and then you're talking about the game this afternoon and you're out the door and it's sort of like the seed in the heart can kind of easily disappear. And I have to believe there's a fair amount of application needed right here in the room. So why don't we just if bow, if close your eyes, bow your head if that would help you and just say, Holy Spirit, what from this do you have for me? I crawl up on the altar. I want my life as a living sacrifice, all of it for you. If you're a husband, how can I gospelize my husbandry? If you're a wife, how can I gospelize my wifery? Jesus, we want you to be reenacted and honored in our marriage. Just pray that prayer, would you please?